How was that for some background music? That was all right, man. Very good job. Sweet. All right, now it's your opportunity to continue to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, praising the God who is above it all. All right? And sometimes you just need to take the opportunity to stand and give a verbal declaration of praise to the Lord about something that's going on. It only needs to be a couple, three sentences, because there's others maybe that want to share, but this would be what's called open mic time. I don't know if you've noticed the last few weeks I've not had a headset. That's because Josh Axine thinks I look better with a mic. I don't know. No, it broke, and we've never replaced it yet, but we're going to get there. So I got the handheld. If you would take a moment, stand, and give a word of praise to the Lord about something that he has done in your life, or maybe if you're walking a valley and uh, you just want to acknowledge his presence, that's good too. So we're going to continue our worship service as we meet together. Here we go. Good deal. You have to say your name first. I'm Lori, and I don't want to embarrass these three, but I just want to thank them for being so understanding and forgiving and patient as we blended our families just recently. So thank you to the three kids with me. <laughs> That's great. If you were here a couple of months ago, Frank and Lori got married right here in worship service. Now, that was pretty cool, the blending of families. Who else? Word of praise the Lord. Hi, my name is Lucy, and um, recently I was, you know, I've been going through a season in my life that the Lord is having me um, just really, you know, dig deeper into Him, and it's been hard because it's um, having to do with um, just, um, you know, giving up my will and choosing His will, and just a loss, basically, and a friend of mine that... um, she lost her son in March. Um, he passed away and just suddenly. And I had been sharing with her, and she asked me, she goes, how are you doing? And I said, okay. And so she knew I was kind of like, you know, I'm working through the process. And she said, I just found out why he passed away this week. She said, can we hang out? And she knew that I was getting better. I'm moving forward, and I'm, the Lord is helping me to understand why and um, just um, – giving me tools to work through it and so she wanted to hang out with me because she knew that I was able to lift her up and and you know encourage her and stuff so we did hang, we hung out yesterday I'll come back and talk about that a bit who else who else oh, over here wherever I'm looking uh, my name's uh, Krishnan I just want to praise the Lord for uh um, <clears throat> just delivering me out of a really dark time in my life and bringing me safe home with my family again. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. Thanks for being obedient in that. Someone else. Oh, not down here. I'll turn around. You have to Okay. Um, I'm Adriana, and um, though my season's been both turbulent and um, triumphant, um, not only does God give me the daily provision that is a blessing and everything, but he gives me that spirit to just persevere, and he never fails. I'm glad you clapped. That's a praise language to the Lord. I do like this mic, by the way. Um, <laughs> as a lot of you know, we're walking through a really hard time with Tiffany's mom. Man, I'm going to get emotional. 
not even preaching. This is what I normally do when I preach. And um, she's dying in front of our eyes. And she's only 60. But it, her wanting to go to heaven so bad is so encouraging to us all because I hope someday to want to be in heaven that bad too. And it's, uh, it's hard to know that we're going to give her to God someday, soon probably. But it's exciting to know that uh, heaven's that real. Uh, it's uh, been a journey for you guys and moms heading south a little quicker than we thought, huh? Anyone else? Just a quick word of praise, acknowledgement of what God's done or is doing in your life. My name's <coughs> my name's Hunter, and um, I just want to thank God for having me seek better days every single day, and it seems like it just gets easier as I live my life, and... Yeah, as long as I got my fam, fam and friends, I'm living life good. That's great, Hunter. Good to have you connecting with the group. All the way in the back. Greg. Good morning. My name is Greg. Uh, I just want to praise God for the abundance of work, but also um, my guys the last few weeks, um, teaching them a new trade. They really enjoyed that, you know, going to the church and, and learning something new and different rather than fence and barricade. So I just want to praise God on that. They were learning uh, uh, scaffolding, how just to stand on scaffolding. <laughs> and um, screw drywall and cutting and, and just to hear direction from another man that was knowledgeable in something. You know, praise God. That's great, Greg. Yeah, a lot of thanks for those who've been helping over in the new building and some of the young adults that work for Greg and his company. He just said, you go work at the church and I'll take care of you. So it was great. Anyone else? Kind of button it down. The opportunity to be part of body life, sharing together as a family. Okay. So what I thought was one week turned into three weeks. But we're going to close it out today. Wisdom. Proverbs, and back to school. One chapter per day. How many of you have taken the initiative to read a chapter of Proverbs every day? Or you're close to it. If you missed a few days, all right, that's good to see some hands. How many of you, now it's, it's the real, you know, it's school, right? So you get graded, right? How many of you had good intentions of doing it, but you didn't? There we go. All right. So, all right. So here's, here's the deal with reading one chapter of Proverbs um, every day. Every day has a proverb. And so you can pick it back up and start whenever you want. So today is August the what? 26th. So you should be reading Proverbs 26. And you just sort of stay on that track a little bit. And if you fall off the wagon, you can get back on the wagon. All right? And today's proverb, anybody read it already? It has to do with uh, not only wisdom, but foolishness. And... Uh, Proverbs does give me wisdom uh, to call somebody a fool every now and then, beginning with myself when I see myself uh, fall off of pursuing God's wisdom. But um, we're going to talk about decision-making here in a second. I don't have my little clicker. Thank you. And um, I want to know where you get wisdom from. Now, I know because we've been speaking about it from the Bible. But are there other places that you have found yourself finding wisdom? Well, 
my family, I wasn't able to go because I was engaged last night, and uh, they went to see a Winnie the Pooh movie, Christopher Robbins. Have you seen Christopher Robbins? And if you grew up watching uh, Christopher Robbins and the gang in the Hundred Acre Wood, you would find that there is little subtle wisdom pieces. So I thought that we would walk through some poo wisdom and see how well we do this morning, all right? So John, you'll have to walk me through these. We won't take long doing them. Here's the first one. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. There you go. Think about that. That's deep. Next one. If it's not here, that means it's out there. Next, sometimes if I am going somewhere, I wait. Somewhere comes to me. Hmm. Next, doing nothing often leads to the very best something. Now that's deep. <laughs> doing nothing often leads to the very best something. Actually, I need this word of advice in my life because I was thinking how much I have not slowed down, not only physically, but in my mind over the last three, four months, really. And I need to do nothing sometimes, and that would be the best something. Next one. People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. <laughs> there you go. So it's easier to do <laughs> than you might think. Next. If people are upset because you've forgotten something, consult them by letting them know you didn't forget, you just weren't remembering. <laughs> I don't forget. I just don't remember. And Christopher Robin said this, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. I think I got a couple more from Christopher Robin himself. Next. You're either part of the problem or part of the solution. That's true for Eeyore. Next. Accidents, you never have them till you're having them. So don't worry about having accidents because they'll just happen. Eeyore is one of my favorite characters in life, not because I like to imitate Eeyore, uh, but because I want to catch myself staying away from being an Eeyore. Oh, no, it's going to be a sad day. Right? Nothing's going to change. Next, we just got a couple more here. Always be yourself, Christopher Robin. That is so true. Next. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things, but the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm, all, I'm on, the only one, and that's true. So don't try to be somebody else in life. Just be yourself, especially if you're a Tigger. And then the next one. What's wrong with knowing what you know now and not knowing what you don't know until later? Hmm. I'm uh, not so sure that's good advice, actually. There are some things you do need to know now that you don't know for later. And then the last one is this. Nobody could be uncheered by a balloon. So I thought about giving out balloons today, but, but we didn't do that. All right. So... We got a little bit of a ring here, I think. I want to ring you out. Wise decision making. How do you make wise decisions? We talked about this a little bit last week. We know that wisdom comes. Oh, there it is, right before my very eyes. How about that? Am I good? Oh, of course I'm good. 
The fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs 9, is the beginning of wisdom. We need the wisdom of God at every turn. We talked last week about how to gain some of that wisdom, but in particular, wisdom is needed in decision-making. In fact, that's where we think wisdom um, really needs to align its most in life, and some of you are up against some big decisions. Anybody got some big decisions you're trying to make? How about some little decisions? And you sit and you labor and you sweat and you contemplate, you pray, and you, you, you try to discern what the right decision is. Should I do this or should I not do this? And here's the interesting thing. This culture, this generation that we're in, is sometimes said to be the most challenged at making decisions of a lot of people in a long time. Our decision-making makes us, our decisions make us, and we are perplexed in making them more and more. The most indecisive generation is today, and here's some of the reason why, if you think about it. The first is the proliferation of options. My parents had three TV channels that they watched growing up. That's what you had, CBS, NBC, and ABC, right? Now, I had a few more of those channels growing up in the country. I didn't have cable, those kinds of things. But you think about the number of channels that are available today, and it's just overwhelming. And my son said to me this week, as I'm watching a channel on cable, he says, Dad, cable's going out. We don't even need that anymore. With Netflix and, and all the other type of Roku things, there's uh, other ways to be able to get our appetite for channels. Josh, can you? I'm getting a lot of ring. Are you guys getting rings on this? I want to do this, but then I'm having problems, so you tell me what I need to do. You want me to eat my mic? All right. Headset next week. Won't have this problem. All right. Sorry about that. I pull it down because I don't want to be in your ear, and then that causes the ringing. All right, thanks. So um, the proliferation of options is overwhelming. The options when you walk into a, a supermarket, the number of kinds of toothpaste, the number of kinds of cereal, overwhelming options, right? Now, that sounds minimal, but then you look at the options in life, the number of careers. If you grew up in a certain kind of home, you were probably going to take on by apprenticeship the career that your father or your mother had, right? You have options, the proliferation of options. And then there's what's called today the um, illusion of perfection. The illusion of perfection is accentuated by social media where everybody posts their perfect life, their perfect family, their perfect vacation or number of vacations. And so the desire is, oh, I need to have that kind of life. So the proliferation of options, the illusion of perfection challenges us. Oh, I need to make the right decision so things turn out right. And by the way, that can also play its way into discerning God's will. Because we think, oh, I, have to, I can't merely mess up God's will. If I mess up God's will, then I'm really going to be messed up for the rest of my life kind of idea. And there's this perfect will that I have to pursue. Well, God does have a will for your life, and he has a plan for you to walk into the way of. But sometimes it can be paralyzing if you're trying to be a perfectionist and thinking that, oh, I can't make the wrong decision, or then I'm really going to be uh, lost in life. I also want to say this that causes our generation um, to be indecisive, and that is that there is the uh, loss of a moral absolute framework. 
And so the idea of what's right and what's wrong is like, oh, well, then you choose. You choose, you know, what type of uh, uh, morals you want to have, whether it's in your ethics or whether it's in your sexual life, whatever it may be. The proliferation of options and the lack of morals, absolute causes indecisiveness. And then I would say one of the last things that adds to that is just the breakdown of the family. Because it, as we're going to look at, is appropriate for us to gain the wisdom and discernment by being a part of the nuclear family. But yet the nuclear family gets busted apart in today's generation. So wise decision making, how do you go about making wise decisions? First Corinthians 16 verses 5 through 9, is descriptive of the Apostle Paul on his journey as he's trying to make some decisions. Sometimes we think that if we just pray, if we follow hard after God, if we read the Bible, we do the proverb once every day, that God's going to open the heavens and say, Thus saith God from high above, this is what you need to do. Well, guess what? That doesn't always happen. Sometimes God may be very clear in his direction, but many a times God is calling upon you to gain the wisdom and discernment to walk out decisions. So here's the Apostle Paul just stepping into 1 Corinthians, and he's writing about his journeys, traveling from one place to another, trying to be of encouragement to different churches, trying to take the gospel into countries that have never heard about Jesus Christ. And he says this, After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you for I will be going... Uh, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you mm, for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey mm, wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits, that is. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened for me and there are many who oppose me. Uh, perhaps, for a while, or even, wherever I go, I hope, well, if the Lord permits, and then there's those who oppose me. Does that sound like a really decisive person? Not necessarily. But this is the Apostle Paul. But what he was trying to do was walk out wisdom and discernment in his decisions. So many a times when it comes to wise decision making, for that decision that's right before you, God's not going to open up the heavens and say, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty, this is what you need to do. He's going to turn to you and I, and he's going to ask us to use wisdom. And you decide. I liked how... A.W. Tozer once described the Lord's will. He says, yes, God will definitely lead you as a sheep into certain pastures. But he doesn't take you into those pastures and by the back of your neck, stuff your head into a tuft of grass and say, eat this tuft of grass and eat that tuft of grass. He just opens up the pastures and says, you pick, you choose. And sometimes that may be a career, a field that you can walk into. And there's various options of, of being able to make career decisions. Maybe it's a certain locality. I need to find a home in this general area. And he's like, well, you pick, you choose, whatever. You, you decide your discernment. We are not robots. God created us with the ability to choose, to take our will, to engage with him, and to engage with what's reasonable around us and make choices. 
That's one of the beautiful things that we've been given. But many times we become paralyzed in making choices because we don't mess, want to mess up the will of God or we don't want to make the wrong decision. It's true. We make decisions and the decisions make us in many ways, but you shouldn't be paralyzed by it. Wise decision-making comes by taking a hold of what Proverbs speaks to us about a lot, and that is this whole subject of wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. That sort of sounds weird, doesn't it? But it's true. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So I'm going to keep it real simple here this morning. I don't know what your decision is. Maybe it's a job decision. Maybe it's a uh, geographical moving decision. Maybe it's a decision about your kids. Maybe it's a decision about school. Maybe it's a, a decision about uh, allocating some of your time a certain direction. Maybe it's a decision about allocating your financial resources, whatever it may be. Solomon, you know, we looked at it last week. Solomon, who wrote most of Proverbs, was the wisest of all people of Old Testament, it seems like. And Solomon, Solomon, he asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. He asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him because he gave a sacrifice to God. And his sacrifice wasn't just one sacrifice. You know what Solomon did? He offered a thousand burnt offerings. And God was moved by the sacrifice in the heart of such generosity, generosity, which is a lesson in itself. I don't think stinginess ever moves the heart of God. Great generosity moved the heart of God. He asked Solomon what he wanted, and Solomon didn't say, I want wealth. He didn't say, I want power. He didn't say, I want fame. Or I didn't want to see my enemies fall ill. He said, I want wisdom. And God granted him not only wisdom because of his generosity, he also granted him those other things as well. The wealth and the power and the fame. All right? Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Get wisdom. One of the, Psalm, the Proverbs I was reading through this week was Proverbs um, chapter 8. And it bleeds into then chapter 9. But wisdom is personified as, as someone that you would physically be able to talk to and embrace. Wisdom, hopefully over these three weeks, has moved to the top of your request list when it comes to your prayer time with God. So here's the simple way I want to describe what to do for your decision-making. The first is walk. Walk. Befriend the wise. It says this, Proverbs 13, 20, New Living Translation, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Or as it says in the NIV, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Have you ever tried to walk away from something that is not good in your life, but you've not chosen to walk away from the friends who are participating in the very same thing? It's very challenging and very difficult, almost impossible to stay clear from something that is not good in your life if you hang around people who are participating in that which is not good. And so with this psalm, he who walks with the wise grows the wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm is going to come and directly address who you're hanging around with in life. Because 
Who you hang around with in many ways is going to define what should be normal and what you need to be doing. Now, you may think, oh, I'm strong enough. I can resist. I can think through that. I'm smarter than that. I would never do what they're doing. But friends, I don't know if you're trying to get away from some type of chemical dependency and you're around people that are dependent on that, then it's going to be more challenging for you. If you're trying to get away from people who uh, have a vulgar and rough lifestyle, then that's probably good to get away from because you'll be able to change your path. Now, part of me hesitates to say this because I'm really big on reaching people and loving people and encouraging people, right? And so many times what happens in the Christian world is God comes into our life through Jesus and he saves us and he starts to change us and redeem us. And it's called redemption and lift. God, we get redeemed, and then he lifts us out of the muck and the mire, the problems, and a couple testimonies were in that uh, vein here this morning. And then we go on our merry way, but we leave the people behind that we need to be ministering to. I'm very sensitive to the fact that you're able to reach some people I can never reach, and it's some of the people that have been struggling and challenged in some of the same ways that you've overcome in your life. But here's the reality. There is wisdom in this proverb that says, if you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. But if you're walking around with fools, you're foolish. You're going to suffer harm. It's amazing to me how many times people are in the midst of a big life decision. And I'll ask them, well, who have you been talking to? And they tell me who they've been talking to. And I say, what have they been telling you to do? And then they list off the advice that they're getting from their quote-unquote friends. And I cringe. I cringe. You know, it's interesting when marriages get on the rocks many times and we are very frustrated with our spouse and, and, and we can put up a list of they don't do this, they do this, they don't do this, they do this, and we can spill it out. And so then who do we get? We get around ourselves to certain kind of friends. Like, oh, you're right. He is doing you wrong. Or, yeah, she's not healthy for you. I would consider walking away too. And you're going like, okay, is that where we're going for wisdom? Is to just get the mindset of people who maybe they themselves have been broken and never found their way to God's wisdom in life? Or do we start with understanding wisdom from wise people who can be placed around us? Be concerned about who you spend company with because they will impact your life no matter how strong you think you are. Joe, you had what, 47 students in youth group Tuesday night? Isn't that great? And um, that's not young adult leaders. One of the challenges that uh, my wife and I have had in the last uh, two weeks, week and a half, I guess, is dropping off our freshman daughter at a school of 3,000 people, which she really knows no one. Went to pick her up from her first high school dance. There's a lot of kids at Chaparral High School. And they swarm around like ants when you're trying to pick them up. And I looked at each kid and I thought, God bless that kid. I trust that that young person is, is uh, on a path of understanding God and wisdom in their life. But then you also cringe a little bit going, oh, some of them maybe aren't. And, and how do we make sure that our, our, our children and our students are, are picking the right friends, hanging around the right people? Can I, uh, Joe doesn't pay me to say this. You need to have your kids in youth group on a regular basis. Not only on Tuesday night for youth group, but Thursday night for gospel groups, when they sit and they share and share their hearts a little bit more, they need that strength from their friends. Not that the friends at church are perfect by any means, 
but they need to be in a community of people that are pursuing God and trying to do the wise thing. It's something that shouldn't be optional. Oh, we're tired, or there's homework. I understand all those things. I, this is, I'm, I've got four kids, right? Don't let the community of Christ trump your schedule. Same for a Sunday morning. For us, as we gather and even share here, we need to be in the fellowship and the community of one another. Not that Christian friends or seekers who are seeking God can make poor decisions, but we need to be able to be on the journey together of looking at God's word and hearing from one another. Who is the person that gives the advice to the person who's considering a divorce and says, well, maybe you ought to just pause and start working on you first. And just pray and give margin and space for God to work in this marriage. Who gives that word of advice? Hopefully it's with those who you're walking with who are wise. Can I say this? Um, you know, I, it gets around the fall time or first of the year and we sort of ramp up the whole thing of getting in life group together. Um, it's not just a program so we can fill up homes around the area. You, I don't know if I can say this. I suppose I can. Proverbs says it, so I'm going to use the word. Excuse me if it offends you. But you are a fool to think you can go solo in life and make it well. In a world that has the spiritual warfare going on, the pressing of the mindset of the world around you, the sinful nature that rears its ugly head in us as we seek to walk with the Lord, and the devil himself in spiritual warfare that seeks to bring you attack, his goal is to isolate you, keep you away from community, get you to try to think through things just on your own and make good decisions. You need to be wise and not be a fool. Get in a life group. Do life together. That insert that's in your program, your bulletin, read through that. Doing life together. Rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. You know, weeping with those who are weeping. Challenging one another in the faith. Being able to build community. Being able to make yourself a stronger disciple. Or if you're not a Christ follower yet, learning what it means to, to be a seeker of God and understand him more being able to be on mission together in life and serving. Community is critical for your spiritual growth, but also for your success and health in life. I understand life is busy, but we do what we want to do. Schedule life group. Take the insert. Fill it out. Put it in the offering. We'll find you a place to align somewhere well with you. And whether it's one you've already been a part of or not, jump in. And if you've not been a part of Rooted, I cannot more highly recommend what Rooted does in changing individuals' lives. Yeah, it's a 10-week commitment. It has a bar of being able to do readings during the week, and you come together in groups and interact on your readings, and you pray and support one another. You have some outside experiences where you pray together and you serve together. Understand that it's sort of a, a high bar of responsibility. 
but Monday nights for the next 10 weeks, beginning in the middle of September, could radically change not only your life forever, but your family's life forever. Consider stepping in to community. It was interesting. The guy on the video, didn't he, he was honest. He said, hey, it's sort of hard for me to be transparent, but I know that's what we have to do. You'll be refreshed when you realize that you're not the only one messing up in life, but everybody else in the circle is too. Be transparent. Learn and grow together as you seek steps of faith in Christ. And I mentioned here that one of the challenges for the most indecisive generation is the breakdown of the family. Just encourage all of us, and that's why it's wisdom, Proverbs, and back to school for all of us, is that we need to be able to have good nuclear families. A nuclear family, strong as a mom and dad, strong as kids, and sometimes they're blended families, sometimes they're extended families and others that are part of the home, whatever it may be, whatever your nuclear family is that's happening in your life, feed it well, nurture it well, strengthen it well, because it's the best gift you can give moving forward, beginning with your marriage and then how you love on your kids and build your relationship with your kids. This picture here, is where I grew up in my life from the age of zero to the age of 57. My mom still lives in that old farmhouse. Now all those other buildings are gone, and it's a big farm corporation now in Indiana, and there's a lot of corporate buildings around there and grain buildings, but that old farmhouse is still there. And my mom, I talked to her twice this week, talked about needs in our lives and praying for one another, I am so grateful my dad passed away a few years ago, but that in that home, that is where I gained my wisdom in many ways because I was a part of a family that cared for one another, that spoke in each other's life, that directed, and yeah, disciplined at times. And I learned not to do stupid things. I saw this picture, actually, I didn't think about putting it up till I walked in my office today, and for some reason it was sitting around, and I'm thinking about, you know, the whole building relocation, I need to pack this stuff up. And I saw this picture, and it captured my heart. I could tell you things that happened in every one of those farm buildings. The big barn, the shed over here to the left, the little chicken coop, the welding shed here. I could tell you stories, but one of the stories that came to my mind concerning wisdom is what happened right outside the end of this lane right here in a field. I must have been five, six, seven, I don't know what I was. Everybody in my family knows the story of when little Carrie tried to jump on the back of a farm implement they were planting in a, well, it's little now compared to what they use now, but it was a little drill that drills wheat. And on the back of the drill, there was a tractor, there was a disc that tore up the ground, and there was a drill, and the back of the drill was a little platform. You could stand up there and dump the seed in, and then behind the drill, they were pulling what's called a culipacker. And the culipacker is like um, when you see them building roads, and it's a big roller thing that's packing. Well, it packs the ground down on the seed. Now, thankfully, back in that day, they weren't too awful big or heavy, but they still had their ability to crush some clods of dirt. I was always told never try to jump on the back of the drill on that little platform while the tractor's moving. I helped my dad seed, put seed in. He took off, and I'm like, I want to ride on that. So I jumped up on the back of that drill, and guess what? I missed, and I fell face down, uh, no, face up in the dirt, and guess what was coming next? The Culipacker. 
and it smashed my little face, blood running out of everywhere. I get up and I think to myself, oh my goodness, I'm in like big time trouble, right? My little mind spinning. And I was more concerned about being in trouble that I did something I shouldn't do than the fact that I had blood gushing down over my face. So instead of running straight into the farmhouse, I ran all the way around here to come look, make it look like I was coming in from the big barn. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't even know what my excuse was going to be. So I came running in from the back of the house. My mom, oh, my goodness, what has happened to you? And, and I was, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty shell-shocked. with everything. She goes, because she thought, saw I came from the barn. She said, did you fall out of the hay bow? And I think to my little brain, no, because that, that would really be bad. Like I, my limbs would be broken and everything on that. So I said, no. And then she threw out some silly thing like, did you run into the manger? I'm like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> well, of course, I got thrown in the car and I got taken to the local little hospital pretty quick. And I'm laying there on this surgical ER bed, and they're trying to figure out, and they keep talking to me, well, what happened, this and that? And she said, well, he ran into a manger. He came from the barn, and I'm sitting there going, I lied, I lied. This is terrible. And they couldn't figure I finally, after a while, confessed, I'm sorry. I tried to jump on the back of the tractor, and I got ran over by the cola packer. Now, why do I, at my age, that is still so resonant within me? One, it was traumatic. But more traumatic than that was that I lied to my family and my mom. And I could have jeopardized some of the physical care that happened to me in that moment. Wisdom concerning lying happened there. I don't recall myself blatantly lying too much thereafter. I needed to always tell the truth. And my parents... They would receive the truth. And even if they didn't agree with the decisions that I'd made or there was discipline that followed on the heels of that, I was in the community of my home, learning from my mom and my dad and my older brothers and my older sister, I mean, my youngest sister, aunts and uncles. God encouraged us to be a part of close family for the sake of being wise. Don't run from your family. Seek your family. Well, my family, they don't have much wisdom at all. If you knew what they did, I understand that. But maybe God can adopt you into some other kinds of family. For some people, their life group is like their family. And they build relationships. They cultivate those relationships. To make wise decisions, walk. Befriend the wise. Seek them out. I could tell you names like Dwight and Terry, and Ravi, and other people that I pursued to be in their life so that I could gain wisdom from them. I remember in graduate school, I heard a, 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 one of the professors was putting together a small group. And I went to ask if I could be in the group. And he said, no, it's full. Oh. But he says, I have enough other people ask me that I'm thinking about starting a second one. And I said, I'm in. I'm going to be a part of that group. It wasn't always an easy group. Some of the things are required of us. But I built bond and the friendship, and I gained wisdom by being in community. Befriend the wise. Be smart. Second is ask. Seek God's counsel. Ask. 
James 1.5, we looked at it last week. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Ask. It's like walking up to, I don't know what's going on here. It's amazing to me how many times, and I've done it myself, where there's a decision to be made, and I don't ask God for his counsel. And if you're going to ask God, guess where you need to go first? You need to go into God's word. Mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again this week because it doesn't change with each passing week. This is the word of God, alive and active through the Holy Spirit, and God can speak to you as you spend time reading, even meditating, memorizing his word. I want to hear the voice of God. Here it is. You should ask God. Seek his counsel. Psalm 32, 8 says this, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Any of you remember when you had to learn to ride a bicycle? I know, little, that kind of thing. I remember training some of my kids, learn how to ride a bike. What does the dad do or the mom do when you're trying to learn to ride the bicycle? All right, buddy, here you go. Huh. It makes sense you fell over. Yeah, Dad, I don't know how to ride a bike. No, if you recall, you push them, and then you hover over them like this. And you're going around, and if they fall, you're going to do what? You're going to grab them and pick them up. Sometimes I think that's what God's doing with us as we're learning to ride the bike in our world. He's not like, go at it. Can't believe you messed up. He's hovering over us. He will advise you. He will watch over you. God loves you more than you love your kids and definitely more than you love your kid from keeping from beginning scratched and falling. Yeah, sometimes they do fall and they do get scratched up. But God, your loving heavenly father is watching over you. Ask of him. Spend time with him. Seek his counsel. And third is decide. Act on your discernment. Sometimes we have a tendency to be paralyzed because there's not enough information, and sometimes there's not enough information to make a wise decision. You need to seek it out. Sometimes we have an ask around and counsel of others or searching God's word, and we need to be doing that. But sometimes we just need to make the decision. Even a no decision has value. I mean, even the wrong decision has value. Why? Because you gain wisdom. I learned from that whack. I learned from that mistake, right? Seek wisdom. And when you're seeking wisdom for God and, and, and making the decision to act, understand this. A lot of times your acting isn't like some big leap into the ultimate thing he wants you to do. It may be the prodding on your heart or the counsel from a friend or from God's word that the next step you need to take is shown to you or there's wisdom and discernment that that's an appropriate step to take, like you're walking across stones in a river, take the step. Or as I was sharing with somebody this week that I was meeting, we were talking about God's pathway forward. I said, it's like a flashlight. He's a lamp into our path. And sometimes the only light we have is the next step. And so we take that step, and we take that step, and we make that decision. Maybe it's a decision to say, I don't know where I'm going to go to school, what I'm going to major in, but I'm deciding I'm going to go to school. Great. Then take that step. And as you step, the flashlight starts to shine where? In the next step. 
and the next step. Some of you are paralyzed about making a decision. Oh my goodness, someone just needs to show up in, in your life and be encouraging in a nice way and say, decide, make the decision. A no decision is oftentimes worse than a wrong decision because you're part. You're not moving in life, and the months clip by, the years clip by, and then you go, oh, now there's not enough time to do that. Why? You're indecisive. You're part of an indecisive generation in many ways. Take the opportunity to befriend people around you. Walk in the wisdom counsel of others. Ask of God. Ask through his word. Ask through prayer. Take situations and circumstances around you. Take all of that and then step into the decision. Back to Psalm 32.8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. He doesn't say, I will send you on the path and not be with you because you make missteps. He will be there every step of the way. And sometimes God's will isn't this perfect linear line. That paralyzed me for a long time in life. This whole idea, like you can marry the wrong person, really bothered me. I'm like, oh my goodness, what if I marry the wrong person? Now, I finally came to a place as a young adult realizing that there's many you could, but only one you should. So on the pathway of life, God's going to give discernment, and discernment in that person's life, this is rightness, let's step into it. But here's the reality, if there's only you know, one that you could, then, oh my goodness, we're all a mess. Because one person making the wrong decision, marrying the wrong person, is going to set off dominoes. That means we all end up marrying the wrong person. When you think about that. God gives you wisdom and discernment. Step into it. Act. He will guide you. And even if you think, I married the wrong person, God says, no, you didn't. The moment you stepped into that marriage, that is now the person that I desire to be involved in your life and for you to have companionship with, and you will uh, grow in one another, and you will seek humbly before God what it means to walk as a servant of mine, and I will change you, and I will change them. Don't ever be paralyzed by a wrong decision. Make the decision. God's along with you on the step. Look at this. This is from 1 Thessalonians, and we'll wrap it up from here. Um, I don't know why, but this has always been one of those things that's been very comforting to me. I love the Apostle Paul. I love talking about his journeys and his travels. And you would think that God's got the voice right in Paul's ear. Go to, uh, go to, and he did send him to Damascus. But then it's like, now I need you to go into these areas of Turkey. Now I need you to go to Philippi. Now I need you to go to Athens and Corinth. And, and I want you to get over to, to Rome. And, and God's prompting his heart, but many times it's not the, hello, Paul. Paul's on this journey of seeking wisdom. God's given him wisdom to make decisions as he presses forward the gospel. First Thessalonians 3, 1 Thessalonians 3.1 says this, So, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best. I like that phrase. That's the phrase right there. We thought it best. To be left by ourselves in Athens, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's servants, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. They wanted to get to Athens and do some other things, but as they were parked and camped where they were at, they thought, we thought it best to be here by ourselves, uh, in Athens, I'm sorry, and we would send Timothy on to you in Thessalonica. We just thought it best. And you're like, wait a second, time out. Didn't thus saith the Lord come in that moment, Paul? 
Did you not realize this is being recorded in Scripture? You are writing letters to these different churches and cities, and that's going to be around for 2,000 years? Maybe you need to go to Thessalonica, and we'd had not only 1 Thessalonica and 2 Thessalonica, but you could have written a 3 Thessalonica. No. He was just walking out his life in obedience to God. He made the decisions. They acted. So when we could stand it no longer, there was just this, okay, they pressed into discernment. Now's the right time. We're going to stay. We're going to send Timothy, our brother, our co-worker, and he'll help spread the gospel and strengthen you in your faith there. So wise decision-making, I could add to these, but I decided walk, ask, and decide. Walk, befriend the wise, ask, seek God's counsel in prayer and through his written word, and decide. Decide, act on the discernment that's around you from those things, from circumstances, from others, sense that the inner spirit of peace that God gives you and make the decision and move forward. Wisdom, Proverbs, and back to school, one chapter per day. Joe, you come and uh, close out with a song. I want to just reiterate my heart for us to be a people that don't live in Lone Ranger faith, but that we live faith in a biblical community, warts and all, and take the opportunity to be a part of other people's lives. So as the ushers come at this time to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, I encourage you also just to write your name on the life group commitment or the rooted commitment and say, I'm in, and see where it goes. For young people, make priority Tuesday night, Thursday night. Parents, have your kids involved on a Sunday morning. Even with all the schedules we have going on, they need to be in God's house. Lord, we thank you this morning that we are able to seek you, to seek your word, to seek your voice, and to befriend others who are on the journey of seeking you, that we are able to gain wisdom through all things such as these in life. I pray this morning for anyone facing a huge decision that as they go from here, maybe it's a decision to be made this week, that they would allow counsel of others, the counsel of your word, a heart seeking after you, evaluating, discerning, to lead them to an appropriate decision. And in whatever that decision is, Lord, may they seek to bring honor and glory to you. And may you take them in that decision-making, moving them forward, and form your Christ-likeness in their life, no matter what happens along that path as you watch over us. We are so grateful, God, that you are a loving Heavenly Father. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who's never taken the most important step, which is the step of fearing you and inviting you to be the leader of their life, I pray, God, that they would make that decision, if not this morning, someday soon, of surrender and saying, Lord, take over my life, and from this day forward, to the best of my ability, I will seek as you help bring guidance to follow you and to honor you. For you are high above all things. Amen.